Let's put our hands together this morning.
Y'all make some noise to the Lord. Amen, amen. We do want to welcome you. We're excited that you're here. But this morning, uh, we just want to encourage you guys, no matter what you've got going on in life, no matter what you've got going on this week, how many people know that God is still good? Amen. And this morning, he deserves our worship. He deserves our hearts. He deserves everything that we've got. And uh, let's just go for it this morning. Let's enter into his presence because when we're in his presence, lives change. How many people can attest to that this morning? Amen. Amen.
Y'all make some noise for the Lord this morning. Lord, we do say that you're welcome in this place. Come on, just tell them that. Lord, you're welcome. Lord, we pause right now and we just lift up our hearts to you, God. We want you here. Lord, we need your presence here. We lift up our worship to you, Lord. We lift up our hearts. We lift up this service, God, and we just say, have your way. Just tell them that, Lord, have your way this morning. Lord, we love you. We thank you, God. You're bigger than my sickness. You're bigger than my pain. You're bigger than my broken heart. You're bigger than my shame. Say you gave the best of so you could.
we just sang a song that says God's bigger than our sickness, bigger than our pain. I'm telling you, God is bigger than anything going on in your life right now. So don't let the enemy lie to you. God's big enough to meet your need. And we're going to have a prayer time right now. And our altar team, our prayer team comes up. First of all, you might be involved in some sort of temptation. It just It's bigger than God is right now. Let somebody pray with you because God wants to set you free from that temptation, whatever it is. There could be sickness in your body. There's a lot of flu and stuff going around. If you want to pray for somebody, stand the gap for somebody, or prayer personally. But I also feel like if you want to act differently, you got to think differently. You realize that? And we need to do our part, renewing our minds. But I believe God today can give you a new mindset. That you're going to see things different. You're just going to think different, look at things different, and that's going to help you to respond different. Amen? So prayer team's coming up. Come on and get prayer. The rest of us, let's just press in and uh, worship the Lord.
Come on, how many people believe he's great this morning? Make some noise for him. Amen, amen. Love on a couple people around you and make your way back to your seats this morning. Welcome to Church on the Rock. We're so happy you're here worshiping with us today. In the chair back in front of you, we have a lot of information about our church. Our inside look lets you know everything about who we are and what we believe in. Our ministry guide gives you plenty of ways to get connected through classes, small groups, and outreach opportunities. If you are a first-time guest, please fill out the white card in the seat back in front of you, drop it in the offering, or you can take it across the hall to the Connect Room where you will receive a free gift bag. Don't forget about our coffee bar and snacks between Sunday services in the Connect Cafe. so glad you're here and we hope you know that there's always a place for you at Church on the Rock. Here's what's happening at Church on the Rock. It's election season and your vote matters. Early voting has begun and in our foyer you can pick up voting information. Powerhouse Youth is raising money for their spring break conference with a spaghetti fundraiser meal after each service in the Connect Cafe. Buy a plate or a to-go box and support our youth. This Sunday, February 21st, we have Healing Room, a time of prayer and healing at 5 p.m. Immediately afterward, we have our Breakthrough Prayer, a night of powerful prayer and worship from 6 to 7 p.m. in the COTR Sanctuary. This Friday, February 26th at 6 a.m., we have corporate early morning prayer, immediately followed by our men's breakfast at 7 a.m. SUM Texarkana Bible College and Theological Seminary at Church on the Rock Texarkana offers affordable, accredited undergraduate and graduate theological degrees that combine academic excellence with practical ministry training and personal mentorship by seasoned ministry leaders. This process shapes students to be passionate, prepared, bifold ministry leaders. SUM is expressively a ministry training school. When students are released, they are ready to go into full-time ministry. Enroll now. is good all the time and all the time. Oh, we're at the right place. Cole. Uh, 
Yeah, real quick, uh, we have an exciting uh, fundraiser going on right across the hall in the Connect Cafe right after service. The youth are going to camp in a couple weeks, showcase that. We have a spaghetti meal, uh, homemade spaghetti. Don't worry, the youth did not cook it. <laughs> but uh, they're going to be helping serve, but it's to help send us to camp. We're going to a conference in a couple weeks on spring break. Uh, oh, wow, you scared me. <laughs> Uh, but as we're going to a conference here in a couple of weeks on spring break. Just set a few days aside just to take some youth students to go and to seek God. And uh, I just want to take a second to let you know if you come and support us, you're not just uh, getting uh, a cheap meal on Sunday, but you're sowing into lives of our students because we're believing that lives are going to be changed that weekend at conference. Amen. So pray for that trip and support them by buying some spaghetti, take it to go, or eat in the Connect Cafe. Also, this week we have several opportunities for prayer starting tonight at 6 o'clock. It's a corporate prayer time. We come together, we pray, and we just watch do God, God do amazing things. And also Friday morning, we're doing an early morning prayer for the whole church, not just the men, but the women, children, from 6 to 7 in the morning. And But right after that, the men are going to stick around. We're going to have a men's breakfast from uh, 7 to 8. Amen? Praise the Lord. Good morning, everyone. Hey, we're going to continue our worship with our morning offering today. And I want to read your scripture about the purpose of the church. Why in the world do we continue to assemble together? Why, why is this a priority in our lives? Bigger question, what did Jesus tell us we're supposed to do? Here's what he said. The last few words in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus came and spoke to the disciples after the resurrection and before his ascension, his last words. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So you go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and Teach them to observe all that I've commanded you, and I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Well, how many of our purpose is to make an impact around the world? That's what church should be all about. This morning, I want to say thank you for your giving and support of our church that allows us to do this. Right now, we've got two missions teams that are on the field. We have uh, one group in Thailand. We have one group in uh, India. And in about 10 days, we have a group going to Rwanda, Africa, all to preach the gospel, all ministering to people, some doing construction. And in March 11th, we've got a group going to dig water wells for the poor in Mexico. So those are some neat things. But let me show you a couple pictures of how, how as you give your tithe in your offering, we take 13%, which is kind of like a church tithe. We increase from 10, and then we give that outside the walls of this church. We try to reach people other than just our, our, our own. Take a peek here, a couple pictures. We sewed into this man's ministry, um, Steve Sexton. He's uh, uh, preached in our youth numbers of times. He started a church in Rogers, Arkansas last week and had over 300 people in his first service. Isn't that great? You know, another picture here. Um, okay. All right. Uh, this, if you can see that, that is in India, and it's what's called a jitney. It's like a taxi cab, and the Bible school students here are laying their hands on it and praying for it. Uh, they wanted to find some way to make themselves self-sufficient, and they said, well, we can have our own little taxi service. And uh, so we were able to buy them that little jitney to be used to generate income for the Bible school. Isn't that a great thing? And I got one more, and I'm going to show you a picture and read you an email. But these are the mountains of Nepal. They're isolated. It's a, it's a, it's a, it, you might be raised in this little village and live there the rest of your life and not go 10 miles uh, outside of it. But we have a missionary that works in this part of the world. He actually went to Christ for India. He's a, a native from India. And he wrote me an email this week. He said, I want to say a big thank you for your contribution to us during the earthquake crisis in Nepal. You may remember that. We sent food and shelters for people. 
Well, now he says about his current ministry, he and his wife are starting Bible schools in regions throughout India. And one of them, he said, it took 27 hours by bus to reach the place. But they bring together pastors and leaders, and uh, they do a two-year Bible course. They'll come several times during the year. Well, then he says this. He said, there's a, a kind of a revival going on in the far western part of Nepal. When I first reached the place in the mountains in 2014, a young man accepted Christ after I preached the gospel. He was suffering and being tormented from evil spirits for several years, but since he became a Christian, he's been completely healed. Now listen to what he did. This young man started witnessing for Christ in his village. So saved and delivered and then sharing his faith. Now there's already over 40 believers and they're in great need of a worship house. Their houses there are very small, the people are poor, so the space for worship together is in a house is not big enough. And also some of the high caste people, the wealthier people, won't come to the lower caste's house. And he says, so I've got three places where they greatly need worship halls or church buildings. The local believers in one of them contributed uh, money to buy the land, but they're poor and won't be able to build their own worship house. Could you help? And we had enough money in our outreach fund where we were able to send enough money for them to build their own church over there. Now think about that. Believers that you'll never see, they won't have anything fancy like this, but believers that we'll never see till we get to heaven will one day look at you and say, thank you for giving to the Lord. Now, how many know what we do in this church matters, what we do for our kids, for our youth? But Jesus said we're supposed to have a focus on the whole world. And I just want to say thank you for doing your part to make that happen. I love you. Thank you. a big hand today. Come on, give me a big hand today. The Lord Jesus Christ, the one who's worthy of all our praise. Could we just bow our heads a minute and say thank you, Lord? Lord, we just want to say thank you for being kind to us. Thank you for your goodness and mercy. Thank you that you reached out to us when we weren't looking for you. Thank you, Lord, that you've not treated us as our sins deserve. We thank you that you're a merciful God. 
And Lord, we all want to stand before you and say that we need your help. There's things in our life that we can't do for ourselves that we need you to help us. But we're not just asking something from your hand. We're, Lord, asking you to shape us and mold us. And help us be the person, Lord, you created us to be. Our lives are not a mistake. We live in an evil world where Satan's trying to pull us in a ditch and destroy us. But you've got a plan. And Lord, we want to walk in that plan. Welcome, Holy Spirit, today. I want you to just pray and say, Lord, speak to me through the Bible today. As we open the Word of God, I pray that the Spirit of the Holy Spirit would just come and bring life and revelation. Oh, let it be like we're the only person in this room and there's a voice in the voice that speaks to us. In Jesus' name. Everybody say it. Amen. Praise the Lord. Tell your neighbor you're looking good this morning and you may be seated. Well, that's a series. It's called What's Inside, and we're going to start this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, but this has been a series about our character, our values, our attitudes. What is it kind of the inside that makes us us and that makes the choices that we make, whether they're good or bad? Each week, we've been taking an aspect of character. We've been taking a godly aspect and then a worldly aspect and kind of contrasting the two, and uh, hopefully we'll make a choice that we'll choose godly character. For example, last week, we talked about being responsible or irresponsible, and with every contrast, we're also asking a question. And the question we asked last week is, am I responsible to take care of my needs, or do I expect someone else to take care of me? This week, we're going to ask the question, am I content in my circumstances or do I complain about what I don't like? Let's all say that together. Am I content in my circumstances or do I complain about what I don't like? Now, I'll show you through the Bible that clearly this is not a prohibition against ambition. It's not a statement that says God doesn't want us to have a nicer life or better things or, or, or upwardly mobile in our lives. But it's simply a message that will show us unequivocally from the Bible is God wants us to be satisfied where we are, content where we are. So many people tie their happiness to what they're going to get will make them happy. For example, I notice ladies' shoes change in style at least once a year or at least three seasons a year. And if your shoes are what makes you happy... Let me know if you can't afford the shoes or they're sold out. Let me know you're going to do like this. Well, can I tell you, there's something in God. There is a way to find contentness and happiness with what I have. See, this word contentment means it simply means to be at peace in my present circumstances. Happy who I am. Happy what I have. Complaining, on the other hand, means to express your unhappiness about your circumstances. It's to, to murmur, to whine, to gripe, and to complain. Anyone know anyone like that? Yeah, are they wearing your shoes today? Yeah, I, th I think we can help them this morning. 
Take a, take a peek at a little video first. It's, a, it's from an older movie called The Family Man. It's a Nicolas Cage, but I think you'll see the contrast here. I'm going into arbitrage, honey. It turns out I have a knack for it. Jack, what are you talking about? I'll be making twice what I make now, plus a hefty bonus, and that's just a start. And we can live in this apartment practically rent-free until we find a place of our own. Are you out of your mind? I don't think so. This is going to be a better life for all of us. We could put Annie and Josh into private schools. Annie goes to a great school, Jack. I'm talking about the best schools in the country here, Kate. Kate, you're not understanding me. I'm talking about a perfect life, a great life. Everything we pictured when we were young, the whole package. You said so yourself. Life has thrown us a few surprises, so we made sacrifices. Well, guess what? Now I can finally get us back on track. I can do that, Kate. I want to do that. I, I need to do that as a man for all of us. Please just think about this for one second. No more lousy restaurants. No more clipping coupons. No more shoveling snow. Then get a snowblower, Jack. Don't go get a new career without even telling me about it. And don't, don't take Annie out of a school that she loves and don't move us out of a house we've become a family in. You're, you're... Don't you see, I'm talking about us finally having a life that other people envy. Oh, Jack. They already do. Well, everybody wants a better life. Everybody has, you know, if I were to try to paint a portrait of my better life, I would see turkey hunts coming up in the days ahead, frequently in different states. I mean, we all have the idea of a better life. My garden would be growing profusely. My flowers would grow, you know. We all have an idea of something that we'd like to be different. But the difference is in this video we saw is she was content where she was, she enjoyed the schools, the home, the life they had, but he wanted a lifestyle so that everyone would envy what they had. There was something in him that couldn't be happy where he was. Now, there's a tension between a desire to want to have more or better or bigger or, 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 or a broader influence. It's a tension between a desire and being content where you are, and we want to kind of bump against the edges of both of those this morning, but I want to speak first about complaining. Again, remember we're going to do a contrast, because complaining, that sense of griping, of murmuring, of never being happy and saying it, it affects our relationship with God. I will suggest to you it directly undermines our relationship with God. Now, I want to journey back to the Old Testament and see this word used frequently and see the behavior of people. We're going to talk about the children of Israel on their journey with Moses from Egypt towards the promised land. And these were the chosen people. They had privileges. They had blessings. But sadly, they, were dis they disobeyed God and they were judged. So let's read 1 Corinthians 10. Now this is a New Testament passage and it looks back to the Old Testament for lessons. He says, brothers and sisters, I want you to know what happened to our ancestors who followed Moses. God was not pleased with most of them. So they died in the desert. Now, here's why. These things happened as 
Yeah, examples for us. In other words, what we'll read about briefly was an example of what not to do to stop us from wanting evil things as those people did. And then it lists four or five verses and it talks about the evil things, about craving worldly pleasure, about idols in our life, about sexual sin, about questioning God's plan and rebelling against Moses. All things detailed in the verses, but look at verse 10 where it encapsulates it. It says, do not complain as some of them did, and tragically they're killed by the angel that destroys. These things happen to them as examples and written down to teach us. Now, I'm not implying this morning if you complain, God's flyswatter is going to smash you. But what I am saying is it happened to them, and it, 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 at a minimum, it in some way undermines and affects our relationship with God. Now, let me read just three verses that talk about their journey where it uses the word complain and see what they complained about. They left Egypt, million and a half, two million people. And how many know that's a, a long way to walk to the promised land? That's where Israel currently occupies today. It's a long way to walk there to a million and a half people. You don't have the comforts of home that you've brought with you. Food is a challenge. Water is a challenge. So it was a hard journey to go where God said to go. And notice how they responded. Chapter 11 of Numbers, uh, soon the people began to complain about their hardship. It's just hard, Lord. If you're so good, why is life so hard? I've thought that many times as well. They were complaining, and the Lord heard everything they said. And his anger was blazed against them. Continuing in that chapter, the foreign rabble who were traveling with the Israelites... This is kind of the New Living Translation's way of saying the Egyptians that left Egypt or the people they picked up along the way. Notice, they began to crave the good things of Egypt. Egypt in the Bible is a picture of the world. It's a picture of, 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 of the ungodly place to live. It's the place that God brings you out of, and now they're craving what they had there. Then they began to complain. See, well, I'm not just scratching my ear or I'm deep for anything. I'm wanting you to kind of interact with me a little bit. If you'll interact a little louder, I'll preach shorter. How about that? Now I lost my place. Oh, the people of Israel also began to complain. Oh, we just had some meat. They explained, we remember the fish we ate for free in Egypt and all the cucumbers and melons and leeks and onions and garlic. But now all we ever see is this manna. Manna was, it was supernatural provision. It would come like the frost or it would come like the dew on the grass. If you can imagine cornflakes or if you can imagine Rice Krispies all over the ground and you would get up in the morning and you'd take a bowl and you'd pick up enough for you and your family for the day. Well, God was, here's the point. God was freely giving that to them. Now, I know those flakes would have probably tasted better with some of that Tony Chacheries, you know, the hot sauce or, you know, that slap your mama hot sprinkle. Primo. It would taste better, I'm sure. But the point is God gave it to them. Just like God gives to me, come on, whether it's sardines or, or whether it's the ability to go to Red Lobster and have a lobster. God is the one that provides everything to us. And the key is, how do I respond to it? Uh, chapter 21, the people grew impatient with the long journey. They began to speak against God and Moses. 
Now, this is what I have to watch myself on. If, if for example, if, if maybe I felt God promised something to me or, or, or I'm living right and you know, I feel like God kind of owes me this and, and I have a scripture that I'm standing on and it doesn't come as quick as I want it, it's easy for me to complain against God. Come on, anybody else? Come on, both hands, both feet. It's just we, we look at what we read in the Bible, we look at what we see in other people's lives, and then we look in the mirror and we don't like what we see, so we, we blame God. And, and the leader here was Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? They completely vacated God's promise of the promised land, and they had no faith whatsoever, and they complained. And tragically, the Lord sent poisonous snakes among the people, and they're bitten and they died. Again, I don't like snakes, and I don't like all the bad things that happen, but the question is, 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 if I'm honest enough, I tend to complain too. It is easy for me to complain as I live in America for most all of us in the lap of luxury. We complain about all sorts of that we may not like the way that we look. Uh, one of the uh, tragic things in our culture today is, is, is the uh, transgenderism has become accepted as normal. Uh, I, have a, I have a friend that goes to high school, and this uh, person told me that there's two girls in their school that have a countdown list from the day that they can get out of high school to get their surgery and become a boy. Two girls becoming a boy. And here's what I'd like to tell them. Why are you complaining about who you are? Your problem is not your externals. Come on. Your problem is not what's culturally you know, implied what you should be. Your problem is inside. And if you could begin by saying, thank you, God, for creating me the way that you created me, whoo, life can get better. But we live in a world today, you know, so much of our world, and even politically, is stirred up by strife. I am fully convinced that most of our racial problems would be solved in America if we could just look in the mirror and say, thank God that he made me, in my case, a white man, a black woman, you know, a white woman, a Hispanic man. But rather than that, our society creates all this envy and, and all that stuff. Well, we, we complain. If we're driving an old car, you know, uh, and the window doesn't roll all the way up and, and the defroster doesn't work and we have to wipe, we complain. But then we get a new car and it doesn't have one of those little GPS screens. And what do we do? We live in an old house and it's drafty. You know, the air conditioner doesn't work all the time and it doesn't cool the back bedrooms and the kids complain too. So now I complain. But I buy a new house, and then my wife complains because the closets are too little. I mean, look, where are we going to store all our hunting supplies? I mean, your wife cares about you. She, 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 you, you need closet space. You stand in front of your closet. I don't have anything to wear as you look at 25 shirts. Are you with me this morning? All right, let me teach you a better way now. We all know the problem. Where I think we're all guilty. Uh, contentment, let's talk about it again. The ability to be happy with who I am and where I am. It is the secret to true happiness and purpose in life. And I want to give you three lessons. And all we'll do is we do in most of our messages, read the Bible. I mean, no, the Bible, uh, 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 to, in my opinion, the more Bible in a sermon, the better the sermon. Because I don't, I don't, you know, you, you shouldn't care that much about what I think in my opinions. But God's eternal word, let me know, it has the ability to set the course of life. And if we can take the Bible and make it relevant to the issues of our day, how many know we, we, we've done well? Uh, here's the first lesson. I, I can choose to stop complaining and be content. Think about this. 
most of us, most of the time, operate from our feelings. I feel unhappy, therefore I gripe. But this is centered in our will. Now, let's go to a scripture in Luke 3. You remember the New Testament, John the Baptist is baptizing people, a baptism of repentance, which means to turn from sin. Some church historians believe he baptized several hundred thousands of people. Well, anyway, Roman soldiers got baptized. In chapter 3, verse 14, they scratch their head and say, Okay, what do we do now? Now that we are, have turned from our sin, and he said this, Don't extort money from anyone by threats. In other words, you don't steal, you don't twist arms, you don't say, I'll throw you in jail unless you give me money. But notice what else he said. He said to, come on, everybody say it, be content with your wages. Now, in English, I learned that that was a declarative statement. And how many know if inspired scripture tells me to be content, then it is possible to be content. It is possible to be happy with what I have. If I'm a sergeant or if I'm a corporal, it's a great thing to have ambition to want to be a, a sergeant or to be a master sergeant, but the scripture says I can be happy with the corporal's pay. Now, it doesn't mean that I'm liking it. It doesn't mean that I'm saying, oh, look at my beautiful shoes with holes in them. No, you say today, look at my beautiful blue jeans with holes in them. And then I... Okay, it's the only joke for the day. You just missed it. Be content with your wages. So if you're going to stop following Jesus, uh, stop complaining and just be happy with what you have. And happiness, not the feeling, but it's the choice that, 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 that grows out of a satisfaction that God gave this to me. And there's two big implications. One is we can be happy with less than we'd like. And number two, being content is a choice. Being content is a choice. I remember when my wife and I lived in Palestine, Texas. That was many moons ago, probably 28 years ago. It was our first church we were pastoring, and uh, we were in our mid-30s. Uh, we didn't have any money, and the church was just a poor little downtown church. They didn't have any money. And, and we, we, we rented a little white house in the old downtown, but it was pretty, you know, it was an old downtown area, but we were happy as a lark. And what we would do on Sunday nights after a long day at church, we would uh, go to the grocery store, we would have gotten either some tater tots, or we would have gotten some uh, uh, little pizza rolls, and uh, we would get a movie, and we'd sit down and eat those tater tots, and our John, my son John was one year old, and Rebecca was not even a memory yet, and we'd sit down and we'd just have the biggest time. We just were enjoying life, eating tater tots, and thank God we had ketchup. But... You know what? You can be content. But the same person at a different time in life can go to Red Lobster and gripe because the biscuits aren't hot. Can gripe because they don't have any real big lobsters in the tank. I mean, come on, poor lobster now. Come on. You're walking in the door and you want a two-pound lobster and all they got is a pound. Well, I'll just go to someone. I'll just go to the roadhouse. Well, go to the roadhouse. You'll wait two hours and they don't have lobster either. Now listen, let me, let me underscore the fact again. This does not imply that God doesn't want you to have a better life. It does not imply that ambition is not a good thing. Listen to Psalm 37. It says, to delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Jesus even said, Jesus now, Matthew 7, if sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give Good gifts to those who ask him. 
So is it just possible that if you, as you're walking with God and you have a dream house, that maybe that may be something God wants to give you? But don't wait to be happy when you get the dream house. Come on. Find a contentment in life right now. We're going to talk about how this works itself out. So the lesson is clear. It's okay to desire a better life, but you can be happy before you get what you want. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. Let's look at another one, another lesson. And this is where, where the greatest challenge is because in America today, American consumerism and the drive to keep the GDP high, it, it, it has forced us to, to just be consumers. My grandmother would have never thought about throwing away uh, styrofoam cups. She was driven from her home in, in, in uh, World War II. And uh, many a day she said, many a day she said, we didn't even have food. But a lot of days we would be grateful for the heel of bread and soup that didn't have anything but water and a little taste to it. And we'd be happy. But she wouldn't throw a jar away. Listen, us, we throw everything away. I can't believe how much trash comes out of the Miller household. But, but, but it's almost money, money and contentment can do like that. And let's read a passage. Now, I, I dare say everybody in America knows the phrase, the love of money is the root of all evil. Now, it's coming up in about three verses, but let's walk up close to it. It starts out by saying, godliness with contentment is... So, if you can serve God and be happy... That's as valuable as money and riches. Serving God with contentment is itself great wealth. And notice the word contentment. And then it says we brought nothing into the world and we can't take anything out of it. I've done a lot of funerals and I've done some funerals of some wealthy people. And when they shut that casket, it was not filled with $100 bills. Come on, they didn't have their turkey rifle there. They didn't have ribbons. Uh, They didn't have gold. They didn't have all that stuff. They probably buried all their gold and forgot where it was. Okay, so that's what happened to that. But see, one more just right over your head there. We brought nothing in the world, can't take anything out. But listen to this. If we have food and clothing, we'll be... I got to be honest. I got a problem with that. I want a knife and a fork and a plate and a table and a microwave, come on now, and I want some napkins that fold. I'd like to have flowers on that table. I'd like to have more than one pair of blue jeans to put on. But he says if you've got the basics in life as a Christian, somehow we can be content. It doesn't mean we want more, don't want more. It doesn't mean that God's against us having more, but it means that you can be happy and sleep good at night and not envy other people, and not be jealous, and not be fretting and angry with God. Now, we're going to try to see how we do this. If For those that want to get rich, and here's the warning, if you want to get rich, you fall into temptation and a trap, and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Most people I know, particularly younger, ambitious people that have a dream for a life and want to make money in the car they want to drive, they're not thinking about the potential of ruin and destruction. Come on. If you sell your character to get money, if you lie, cheat, or steal to get money, come on. If you lose all your money gambling thinking you're going to win the lotto, see, we're not aware that it can have a negative side because the Bible says the love of money, which is to desire money more than God, It is a root or a source 
of all kinds of evil. And the tragedy is some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves through with many griefs. We live in a society where most of us, including myself, think that if I have more and nicer things, then I'll be happier. But the reverse is actually true. According to the Bible, the compelling desire for more, bigger, and better can destroy me. Way better to be content with less and serve God than have more money than less of God. Come on, how many to say yes to that? Now, there's two words that go along with this. First, the word envy. Envy means is the pain I feel inside, the resentment when someone else has something I don't have. I envy it. I, I crave it. The word covet is a similar word. To covet is to long for, to be greedy what another person has, especially their wealth of possessions. We forget that it's a violation of one of the Ten Commandments where God himself said you must not covet your neighbor's house. It's one thing to go through a house and say, this is beautiful. You're a great decorator. It's another thing to say, why do you have this instead of me? It's another thing to say, if it's the last thing I do, I will get a house like this. If I have to get, if you have to, I don't care if you have to get a third job. I want this house. Get your booty out of this house and go get another job. It's a God problem. It's not a house problem. Don't covet your neighbor's wife, their servant, their ox, donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. Now, let me tell you a funny story on the preacher. It's been a long time ago. We had young kids, and hence the minivan. And we had a Toyota minivan, and it was a fine minivan. Big old captain's chairs, and I mean, it looked good. It was clean, no dings. It got great gas mileage. And I'm just driving down I-30 one day to church, and I was right out here. I'll never forget this. The Lord won't let me. But I, I came right up to this van, and on the back of this van in front of me were these little silver letters on the decal part. It said L-E. And mine didn't have an L-E. And the only thing that could be is luxury edition, which means, come on, I'm driving something lesser, and, and why don't I have something nicer? And all of a sudden, this van that we just loved and liked, isn't it amazing when you drive it home how much you love your new little car, but all of a sudden you're in a parking lot and somebody else has something that yours doesn't. They just have a different kind of antenna stuck up on theirs. Yours is an antenna like that. Theirs is one that's kind of like that. And, It is American consumerism. It is the media. It is our role models. Just because, listen, a, an NBA player can wear $250 tennis shoes doesn't mean I have to have $250 tennis shoes to be happy. Come on. Just because someone else can afford to wear a Rolex watch doesn't mean I, my Timex is bad or wherever mine is from, I don't know where I got mine. Uh, something. But it's the world we live in today. And it's worse for your kids. The older you are, the more contrast you can see in what I'm saying for life that what was and what is. But it's harder for our kids. It is the media. It, these are status symbols that have nothing to do. All they do is pull us away. And before we know it, we're pursuing things rather than pursuing God. Here's another lesson. And that is this one. Probably the most important. We can learn to be content. Now listen again to the Bible. Philippians 4, verse 10. Mind you, now Paul is the missionary. He's out preaching the gospel, serving the Lord. And he says, I praise the Lord that you're concerned about me again. 
Now, Philippians is a missionary thank you letter. They're his, they're his supporters. And for a while, they didn't support him financially as he did the work of the ministry. But now he's saying, hey, I'm praising the Lord. You're concerned about me. But listen to what he said. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. How many would say, I, I wish God would help me be content with whatever I have? Come on, let me see your hand right now. Lord, let me be content with whatever I have. I have met people that had the nicest stuff and were miserable. I have duck hunted with them. I have, I have, I have hung out with them. And the, everything they had eclipsed anything I'd ever had or ever dreamed of. But they were miserable. It's a God problem that can never be solved by enough money. You know, the more money you have, the more things there is to do with that money. And the more money you have, the more people that want it. And if you get a lot of money, the lawyers will line up. I'm sorry if there's any lawyers here today, but... They'll be lined up against everybody that's mad at you. He said, I've learned to be content. He said, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. That's like saying, I learned how to be happy eating Vienna sausage or a steak, an outback steak, peppered just right with onions and mushrooms and cheese sprinkles. Have I got you yet? But he said, as you're opening those little sardines and your wife is screaming that they stink, and as you pick out those little bones, you can be just as content at home, come on, putting it on a trisket, as you are in this steak, this filet that is melting in your mouth. You say it's impossible. Not according to Paul. I know how to live on almost nothing. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. And listen, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Now that's, that's very important. We cherry pick the Bible. And we use this scripture. Come on, I tell my kids, if you're going to play sports or if you're going to take a test, don't forget, say the word. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Come on, you're going out in the huddle and it's the last play of the game and they're going to throw it to you. Say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But that's not what he's talking about right here. What he's talking about right here is I can, I can live with a lot or live with a little and still be praising Jesus because I can do this through Jesus Christ because I have been weaned from the temporary and I'm plugged into the eternal. Now, the bad thing about this passage is he didn't tell us how to be content. I've got an idea or two, and let me give you just a couple of scriptures and I'll close. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, and this is probably the most important one. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it says to give thanks in... See, it didn't say give thanks when you got a lot of money. Give thanks when the bills are all paid. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Be thankful. To this word thankful, it means to be grateful for who I am and grateful for what I have. I saw a picture of Michael Jackson recently. And, uh, of course, he, he, he took his life or overdosed and purposefully or not, but... Anyway, I looked at him, and for years when he was alive, I thought, I, I wish I could be his pastor just a little while. All the plastic surgery didn't put a smile on his face. All whatever he did to, to lighten his skin, 
That didn't put a smile on his face. He had money out. I mean, I mean, all the money you could want. He had a God problem. I wish I could just tell him, could have told him, Michael, just stop where you are today and let's just thank God, come on, that you're the way you are. Michael, thank God that you're a black man. Michael, thank God that you've got a roof over your head. Who cares if it's only got 20,000 square feet and somebody else has 40? Come on now. Michael, can we just say thank God that we got a roof over our head? But preacher, you don't understand. I got, I got three tires that may pop at any moment. They're called may pops. I got three tires. Well, thank God for the fourth tire. Come on now. Thank God that they hadn't popped yet. I'm just telling you. If you start letting words of thanksgiving come out of your mouth, it may take a little ketchup if the food is bad, but if you'll let thanksgiving come out of your mouth, you can start getting happy. Here's another one. It's a big one. And, you, and this gets be, have to get beyond your mind into your experience. But 2 Corinthians 12, 10, Paul said, For the sake of Christ, I am content with weaknesses. Now I got to be I am not content when I'm weak and out of control. He said I'm content in insults and hardships, persecutions, calamities. And then again he says these words. For when I'm weak Where do you think his strength came from? And it was through weakness that he found strength greater than he could drum up on his own. And what he's saying is, I don't like it. I don't like the pain. I don't like the lack. And I can relate to this. When I started battling anxiety about a year or so ago, a year and a half ago, it became so debilitating, I, I, couldn't, even, I couldn't even serve in ministry for several months. And, and in my weakest time, I would just cry out to God, please, please. And, and, and Lord, I just want to be normal again. It's like I wanted to get... Take me wrong here. Don't take me wrong. I wanted to get rid of the problem so I could be okay. And it was almost as if God's saying, well, find me in the problem. And then I'll help you be okay. Whether you're in the problem or out of the problem. Because you're better off when you're in the palm of my hand. Because you got a little of that personality that when you got money in the bank, come on, and health in your body, you act like you don't need me. And every once in a while, I, I'm going to shake things just a little bit to show you that in me, you, uh, you live and move and have your being, and you can't do anything without me. Now, now you're going to have to meditate on that one. But I'm going to close with this one. Again, ideas, how we can learn to be content. Giving thanks. Finding, declaring, seeking contentment in in weakness, and here's the last one, Hebrews 13, 5. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Now, we've said that all morning long. But look at the next phrase that is the oddest phrase. For he has said, God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, we tend to grab scriptures or grab phrases of scriptures and pull them out and, 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 and lose the, the, the aroma of what surrounds them. It's a good commandment that I'm supposed to be content and not love money. But the way I do that, listen now, is linked to my relationship with God. Because when he said I can be content, he's with me if I have a lot or with me if I have a little 
Contentment is linked to my relationship with God. The closer I am to God, the happier I am. And the further away I get from God, the more I try to find happiness with money and things. And that's the message this morning, friends. Hebrews says the closer I get to God, the more satisfied, the more happy I'm going to be because I'm living not just with today in mind, but with eternity in my sights. Come on, give him a good hand today. He's worthy of our praise. Why don't you stand to your feet today? We're going to take just a second to pray. and I sure hope that uh, you'll get some of that spaghetti for the youth, whether you stay in the cafe, go out on the park, or just take some home with you. But before you turn out to the day, take just a minute and say, Lord, what are you saying to me in this message? Just bow your head just a moment. We've read a lot of scripture today. And I want to ask you, friend, are you content with what you have? Are you content with who you are? Or do you complain because we don't have it? Could we just ask the Lord and say this? Lord, I, I want to be a person that's content. I want to learn that. Come on, just reach out to heaven with me and say, Lord, I want to learn what Paul said. I want to learn to be content in life. I want to learn how to be happy with a lot or a little. Lord, I, I do ask you to bless me, and I've got dreams, and I'm glad to know that it's a good thing to ask you, Lord, about my dreams. But, Lord, until I get there, let me be content. Let me be satisfied. If I have the capacity and the ability to buy a new pair of shoes, Lord, let me enjoy them. But if I'm going to wear last year's, let me enjoy them just as well. It's a heart thing. It's a God thing. Help me, Holy Spirit. Help me to learn how to connect to you and my weaknesses. Help me to learn what it means that when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Help me know I can be content because you said you'd never leave me and never forsake me. And somehow our relationship is worth more than silver. I'm going to close with this way. We're going to have one last song. We'll have a prayer and then dismiss. And please, as they're playing that song, please don't just rush out unless you have an emergency because there's a lot of people that are trying to decide that they need to step, make a step to God or not. There's people that are, that, are, that are being torn to get out of here and there's people being torn to go up and let somebody pray for you. It's a spiritual moment. But in just a moment, I'm going to call our prayer team up and we'll pray about anything in your life. Most importantly, though, I, I dare say that for many, there's something in this me message that really touched you. Maybe you're just not happy with your life, and you just, you just don't know how to get there. I think coming and praying with someone, I think that could go a long ways towards getting God's attention. Maybe you complain a lot, and you don't like it, but you just can't seem to stop it. Maybe coming and submitting yourself to God. See, that's what prayer is. It's not a person that's doing the praying. It's a humbling ourselves before God. We'd be honored to pray with you. But the most important thing we'd like to pray for you today is about your own personal relationship with Christ. Because here's something I know from experience. You'll never be happy in this life until you have given your life to Christ. Here's something I know. I used to be a very worldly person in my teens. And if you can imagine there's a bucket inside your heart. I, I filled it up with as much alcohol as I could put in it. I understand what it means to smoke things you shouldn't smoke. And I'm not talking about Tipperillo cigars. I understand what it means to go from one relationship to the next, searching for the perfect person and never find them. 
I understand what it means to have a scholarship, to have a new car. I understand what it meant as a teenager to have a lot of friends, but to wake up empty in life. When I was a boy, 19 years of age, in the summertime, I had outgrown uh, uh, athletics in the summer, the Babe Ruth baseball, and I was just working for my dad, driving a tractor, and a guy with everything going for him would just cry in the afternoon and didn't understand it because something was missing. And I thought, well, if I run away, I'll find what I'm looking for. See, I was still trying to fill the bucket. You know what I did? I ran into the arms of Jesus. There was a guy who intersected my life. He happened to be the Gideons. I was running away in the military. And he told me that Jesus Christ could change my life. He told me if I'd pick up this Bible and begin to read, that I would understand that God is real and God wants a personal relationship with me. See, I was raised in church, but how many know going to church doesn't make you a Christian? Surrendering your life to Christ. And maybe that's what you need today. You need to turn from the way you're going and put your trust in Christ. If that's you this morning, we'd be honored to pray for you. The most important part of the service is right now as you make your step to Christ. If that's you and you'd say, Pastor, I want to get my life right with God. I need Jesus. Would you lift your hand real quickly? Just lift your hand. Say, pray for me. I want to commit my life to Christ. Anybody this morning, say, pray for me. God bless you, sir. I see your hand. Give him a big hand. God bless you too, young man. Somebody else, wave your hand at me. God bless you too. I see your hand. God bless you too, dear. Somebody say, pray for me. I want to commit my life to Christ. I'm away from God, and I want to come back to God. Anybody else this morning, say, pray for me. God bless you too, dear. I'll wait a minute. God bless you too, dear. Somebody else say, pray for me. Say, what are they doing right now? Are they joining a church? No. You can do that later. We're just trying to get your life pointed to Jesus. Anybody else? God bless you too. Give her a big hand. Somebody else, say, pray for me. I want to put my trust in Christ. All right, all you that lifted your hand, I'm going to encourage you to come on up right now. Give them another big hand. You that lifted your hand, come right over to the cross. Our prayer team is coming to the front right now. They'll pray for anything. But you that lifted your hands, come on up. Let us pray for you. We want to give you something to help you in your Christian life, to help you with the next step. And our prayer team will be right here to pray for you about anything. Come on up, you that lifted your hand. We want to pray for you. We're going to give you some things in your hands to show you how to live this Christian life. God bless you, and I love you. Thanks for being here. You come as we pray and sing this last song. There's no place I would rather be than hearing you love, hearing you love. There's no place I would rather be. There's no place I would rather be. There's no place I would rather be than hearing you love, hearing you love. Set her fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more. Let's sing that out one last time. We say, Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. For the next few moments, our prayer team is going to stay down front. And if, uh, if you'd like prayer for anything, we would love the opportunity to pray for you. But if not, uh, we, we encourage you to grab some spaghetti on the way out to help our youth uh, raise some money for our trip. But anyway, if that's not you, we love you guys and uh, pray that you have a blessed week. Amen.